Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 13, College Football Betting. I am your host, Aaron Torres. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hope everybody avoided flying mustard bottles and golf balls like at Neyland Stadium. And I hope at the very least some of you uh, are going to be paid millions of dollars in the coming years to not do a job like Ed Orgeron. But this is college football betting. I am Aaron Torres. As I always say, if you do want kind of the traditional college football coverage, I encourage you to listen to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, my personal podcast, new episodes every Monday, every Wednesday, every Friday. But as I said, this is college football betting. This is the first episode of the week where we look ahead to the week eight lines and of course later this week we will have the full preview after I have had time to dig into injuries things of that nature weather and I'll tell you this week more than ever those things are going to be factors as guys like Matt Corral very banged up Hendon Hooker very banged up so we are going to have to monitor a lot of stuff going into week eight before we get to the lines in week eight a quick reminder this episode is brought to you by our partners at DraftKings I'll just be perfectly honest DraftKings right now they're kind of in between promos uh the week six pro football slate will be done by the time that you listen to this they have some great stuff coming up for NBA season which I will get you some information on on next episode but in the meantime if you want to help if you want to support our partner is DraftKings and we will have a link to our personal page on DraftKings to the college football lines so if you want to help click that link first time users really does help us out all right let's get into this week eight slate and it's really interesting right because listen every week I kind of try to be honest with you about is this a great slate is it not a great slate what do you need to know and the week eight slate is a little bit down now part of that is some of these really good teams uh, are on buys this week Georgia is on a buy Michigan State who's a top 10 team is on a buy Uh, Kentucky is on a buy so it is not quite uh, what we were expecting the good news is of course that next week we have some major games Georgia Florida uh, Michigan Michigan State Penn State Ohio State this week's a little bit different a little bit quieter and so what I want to do is instead of kind of last week it was all SEC all the time we've had some really big slates in the SEC uh, you know dating back to whatever it was week five when it was Ole Miss and uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Arkansas. So let's do something. Let's let's hold off on the SEC for now, and let's start with a very surprising place we're going to start. That is the Pac-12. 
because I do still think that while Oregon, Ohio, or Oregon, UCLA, excuse me, does not have the cachet that it did even three, four, five weeks ago, it is still a very interesting game. UCLA is a half a game out of first place in the Pac-12 South. Oregon is tied with Oregon State in the Pac-12 North. And so at the very least, it has Pac-12 title Rose Bowl implications. But on top of that, Oregon, despite us all kind of giving up on them, and we're going to get to Oregon in a minute, still very much in the playoff picture. The interesting thing, Oregon currently ranked in the top 10 at number 10. Oregon with that win over Ohio State. Oregon comes into this game as a two and a half point underdog over under, I should mention, by the way, is sitting at 59. But I do think it's justified in doing so. First of all, from Oregon's perspective, they have not been the same team since that Ohio State game. I think, by the way, I know we don't talk just narratives on this show, but you want to think about an interesting narrative. If Oregon continues to win unimpressively and Ohio State continues to dominate Big Ten competition, Imagine an end of the season where Oregon finishes 12-1, and wins the Pac-12. We all know Ohio State's the better team, but Oregon has the head-to-head win. So that's something to think about. The fact remains, I don't think that Oregon is going to run the table, and it's for a few reasons. First of all, they just haven't been the same team since that Ohio State game. You go back and you look at what they've done. Uh, they beat Stony Brook. They play Arizona, but that was a game that was on while I was doing radio. And let me tell you, don't be fooled by the 41-19 final score. That was a 24-19 game at halftime, and it was a or excuse me, a 24-19 game going into the fourth quarter, and it was a 27-19, 8.1 possession game with about 10 minutes to go in that game. After that, Oregon loses to Stanford. After that, last weekend, they struggle against Cal. And I think you can factor it to a few different things. First of all, Oregon, uh, as exciting as that game was against, uh, against uh, what was it, Ohio State a few weeks ago, uh, they're not a very dynamic offense, and they are hindered by the fact that their best skill position player, C.J. Verdell, is now out for the year. Oregon only ranks 87th nationally in passing offense. You lose a 1,000-yard rusher in C.J. Verdell, and all of a sudden, it completely changes the dynamics of how explosive that offense is. So now they have to rely more on the defense, and even the defense is a little bit banged up. From UCLA's perspective, I'll be honest. I think this game is fascinating because UCLA is one of these teams, at this point, it is week eight, but they played in week zero, so we've been watching them for over two months now. They do one thing insanely well. They run the football. They make you stop the run. And if you can stop the run, then you can beat them. If you cannot stop the run, good luck. They're 17th nationally in rushing offense and 55th nationally in rushing. Uh, you know, And Oregon is only 55th nationally in rushing defense despite having all that talent in their front seven with Kayvon Thibodeau and, of course, Noah Sewell, who, of course, has been a multiple-time Pac-12 defensive player of the week. For me, what's interesting beyond that, uh, from UCLA's perspective, again, very clear way to beat them. You got to stop the run. The other way to beat UCLA, they have a very good run defense, but they have a very bad pass defense. They actually rank, believe it or not, 122nd nationally in pass defense. That is bad news for an Oregon team that, as I just said a minute ago, cannot throw the ball 87th nationally, and that would worry me. So it's early. I don't give out picks on this show, but I will tell you, Everything is lining up. I see why UCLA, even though Oregon is ranked in the top 10, UCLA is is the favorite coming into this game, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, again, 
UCLA runs the ball really effectively. They cannot stop the pass, but Oregon cannot stop the pass. So we'll see where this number goes throughout the week. But UCLA, a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. You know I just said that I don't, I don't think I've ever started with the Pac-12 on this show? Well, how about this? On top of the Pac-12, let's go to another unlikely place, the ACC. We're going to go to the ACC, where for the first time in a very long time, something has happened. Clemson is actually entering a game as an underdog. And at first glance, it seems like Vegas has finally caught up with Clemson. Clemson is 0-6 against the spread. Clemson, every single week, I continue to tell you, is not very good. Vegas keeps overrating them. They were about a 14-point favorite against Boston College. They won 19-13. They were about a 14-point favorite against Syracuse last weekend at the Dome. They win 17-14. Finally, Vegas appears to have caught up. Uh, they open, Pitt opens as a 2.5-point favorite. It is now up to 3 with all of the money coming in on Pitt. And I think it's with good reason. First of all, with Clemson, it's not, listen, I say it all the time on this show. We're in week eight now. Clemson has played six games and had their bye. If there was ever a week that Clemson was going to come out with a great offensive game plan and great offensive execution, it was last week at Syracuse. That did not happen. And so it just tells you what I have been telling you all year. This team cannot move the ball. They finished with barely 300 yards of total offense against Syracuse. They were actually outgained against Syracuse. Uh, and at the end of the day, if you go back and look at the overall stats, they're 115th nationally in total offense, 107th nationally in passing offense. I like DJ. I don't root against individual players. I don't root against 18, 19, 20-year-old kids. But he is who he is at this point. He's through six games He's completing 55% of his passes, averaging 5.6 yards for, per completion, four touchdowns, three interceptions. That is bananas. 55% completion percentage, four touchdowns, three interceptions in six games at Clemson. At Clemson, and everybody's wanting to blame the wide receivers. Justin Ross is good. Uh, you know, you look across the board at the guys that they got. They got guys in that in that wide receiver room. Clemson has always had great wide receivers as long as Dabo Swinney has been there. Don't blame the wide receivers. The quarterback play hasn't been good enough. Again, that's no disrespect to DJ. It is just a fact. Beyond that, obviously, Will Shipley continues to be banged up. We'll see if he comes back. Joseph Ngata was the other guy I was thinking of. This is who they are right now, and now you're going up against the Pitt team. I'm going to tell you guys, this Pitt team is really good, and I'll tell you this, I think Kenny Pickett can come out of this game as a Heisman Trophy candidate. That sounds preposterous, but here's what you need to know. Pitt is 5-1. and one. If they win this game, Pitt will be 6-1. and one. Great math on my part. I know I'm a, I'm a real numbers guy. What can I say? They are currently 2-0 in the ACC Coastal. They will have a two-game lead if they win this game on the rest of the division. Everybody else has at least one loss. Uh, so I guess it would be a game-and-a-half lead because Virginia Tech is 1-1 one one right now in that division. But Pitt has the head-to-head -head win over, Coast, uh, over Virginia Tech. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. But this is what you need to know about Pitt. One, they're 5-1. Two, the offense is fantastic. Number three scoring offense in college football. Let me ask you guys a serious question. Guys and girls, guys and girls. How many people knew Pitt had the number three uh, total offense rushing, or excuse me, scoring offense in college football? They are number three behind Coastal Carolina and Ohio State. Those are the two teams that score more points than Pitt. That is it. Not Alabama, not Ole Miss, 
not Oklahoma, not SMU, not uh, Georgia, not any of these great offenses in college football. Nobody scores more than Pitt except for Ohio State and Coastal Carolina. Pitt is really good. They also move the ball on the ground as well. Kenny Pickett, as I told you, 21 touchdowns to one interception. And let me take it a step further. I think Pitt was actually good last year until Kenny Pickett got hurt. I found this note in my preseason prep, and it's something that I have always held on to throughout the, you know, kind of uh, going through the beginning stages of the college football season. Pitt last year finished 8-5 and five overall, I believe. I could be mistaken on that overall record. Let me look it up really quick. Don't judge. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, let's get a little elevator music while I look it up. No, 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 no. Okay, I don't know if that's elevator music. Okay, they went 6-5 and five last year. They were 6-3 and three with Kenny Pickett in the lineup. Uh, obviously, that makes them 0-2 without him, but here's the catch. 6-3 and three with Kenny Pickett in the lineup. The three losses, two were by one point, and the only other one was to Clemson, which I don't know if you heard was pretty good last year with Trevor Lawrence. Two losses by one point with Kenny Pickett in the lineup. They lost by one to NC State. They lost by one to Boston College. And they lost to Clemson with Kenny Pickett in the lineup. And that was it. So this guy has really been good for about two years now. This offense is humming at the highest level. And, you know, the defense isn't great, but you don't got to be great on defense against Clemson. I think I could play defensive back against Clemson and be able to stop them because I don't trust their quarterback. So this is an interesting game. It opened at two and a half. It's up to three. And I'm telling you, I think the money is going to keep coming in on Clemson. I know there's this narrative that Dabo is going to rally the troops. I know that probably somewhere in the back of our, all of our heads, we think, you know, Dabo is going to use everybody's county out, little old Clemson. Nobody believes in little old Clemson. There's a reason nobody believes in little old Clemson this year. They are not good. And because of it, I would be really, really worried. I, you know, at this point, I don't think you can expect Clemson to just rally because they're Clemson and, you know, they want to prove the world wrong. At some time, at some point, you got to make plays. I think this could get ugly for Clemson. Again, they have not covered a spread yet. So it's wild because they have not covered a spread. They are a field goal underdog. And you think, oh, Vegas finally caught up with us. I think this line is actually a little bit off. I think Pitt should be favored by more. All right, let's finally get to the SEC. We'll get to one game here, take a quick break, and come on back. The game I want to get to, talk about a juicy storyline game. Ole Miss hosting LSU. Ole Miss, the spread is 10. The over-under is 75 and a half as I speak, all courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. And what I would tell you is a couple things. I mean, look, one, we all know the narrative. Um, it is that Coach O, of course, uh, you know, is no more. And I don't know if you guys got to watch the press conference on Sunday or at least read the quotes. What I would say about that is a couple things. One, I think, you know, it seems very you know, uh, friendly. I, you know, it, it seems like a very friendly parting. Coach O said he knew it was time. The AD, Scott Woodward, is letting him coach out the season. So now the question you have to ask yourself, Coach O got these guys to rally once. The question now, can he do it for the rest of the year? Not to finish, you know, they're four and three right now. Not to finish nine and three, but to just have some respectability on his way out the door. I think on the one hand, these guys will play hard for Coach O. I don't think on the other hand, though, uh, what I would say is there were a couple fluky things that happened in that Florida game. I don't know if what happened on Saturday against Florida is replicable. First of all, we all know the deal. 
Uh, LSU had a player, Tyreon uh, Davis-Price, set a single-game LSU rushing record. This for an LSU team, which came into the game ranked 127th nationally in rushing. This kid, Davis-Price, had uh, 287 yards rushing. I don't know if I said Davis-Richardson. I may have. I'm thinking of Anthony Richardson. But when you look at LSU winning that game on Saturday, they went 49-42. Um, they set a single-game rushing record from Davis-Price. And then on top of that, let's not forget, they had a pick six, which factored into the seven-point margin of victory. And oh, by the way, let's also not forget, Florida was a completely different team when Anthony Richardson came in at quarterback for the Gators. He led them on four scoring touchdown drives, three passes, one, touch, uh, one rush. And so because of that, you know, if Anthony Richardson's playing that whole game, I think we might have a different score. That's what would concern me from the LSU perspective. Now from the Ole Miss perspective, I'll tell you this. Matt Corral sounds like he's pretty banged up coming into this game. Uh, I don't normally read full quotes on this show, but I do think it's important for context here. Lane Kiffin on Monday was asked about Matt Corral. This is what he said. He's not in very good shape right now and hasn't been for two days. Hopefully he'll play, but I do not feel good about that right now. I don't think this is gamesmanship, okay? Lane Kiffin is straight to the point. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. I don't... He can be deceptive, certainly, with some of the injury stuff. I don't think he's playing games here, especially going up against a personal friend in Coach O and Ed Orgeron. Matt Corral sounds really banged up, and I'll tell you, you know, Matt Corral and his legs are a very import, important excuse me, part of the success that comes with uh, Ole Miss's offense. He rushed the ball, believe it or not, 30 times on Saturday, 195 yards. That's why he's so banged up. Uh, and he has rushed at least 10 times uh, over the last four games, and he has had 65-plus yards rushing in three of them. And so you don't have those legs. You don't have Matt Corral, maybe at all, but certainly not at 100%. I'm just telling you, if you feel great about Ole Miss in this one, be careful. If you feel great about LSU in this one, be careful. I think it is fair to have a lot of questions about both of these teams. So what I want to do, I want to take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to talk about the rest of the Week 8 slate, Tennessee, Alabama. Beyond that, we will talk a little bit USC, Notre Dame. Once a great rivalry, not so much anymore. Ohio State, Indiana, Wisconsin, Purdue, a few others. We will be right back. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, again, I want to thank, as always, my partner, DraftKings. Really great uh, group that works over there. Very happy to be working with them. Again, a link is will be in the show description. If you want to help out the show, get some first-time users, click in that link, sign up via your boy Torres. It really does help this podcast grow, and obviously our partners at DraftKings be happy. Let's continue on. Let's look at the Week 8 slate. Uh, Alabama, hosting Tennessee. Great rivalry historically, maybe not so much anymore, but I will tell you this, this game opened as a 27.5 point spread, it is down to 25, which means that there's a lot of money coming in on Tennessee. On the one hand, it makes sense, on another, I'll be honest, I don't know that it does, and the reason I don't know that it does, we don't know about Hendon Hooker. Now, Josh Heupel said all the right things, he said he thinks he'll be fine, he thinks he'll be ready to go. Hendon Hooker got pulled out of that game against Ole Miss on that final drive because he was obviously banged up coming into this one, and we all saw what, what Tennessee gets from Joe Milton when Joe Milton is in the game. So obviously this is another one that we are going to have to monitor from Tennessee's perspective. How healthy is Hendon Hooker? Will he be ready to play? And if he's not, 
I don't know, do you trust Joe Milton against that Alabama defense? Because I don't know that I do. From Alabama's perspective, I think we all know the deal, right? I give Alabama credit. I thought that Mississippi State game was going to be close. And while I have been critical of Alabama, what I will tell you, everything that you could have wanted out of an Alabama game on Saturday, you got from the Crimson Tide. Bryce Young continues to be awesome. I give that kid credit. He's so cerebral. He does it so well. He makes it look so easy. He did it again on Saturday on the road, 20 of 29, 348 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, the run game was very effective. Alabama averaging almost five yards per carry, 195 yards rushing. And then against the Mississippi State offense, which we know is explosive, they held Will Rogers to five and a half yards per completion, keeping all the plays in front of them. And old Mississippi State, they held to negative one yard rushing. Now that stat is obviously a little bit misleading simply because of the fact that we know that Mississippi State does not run the ball very often. And obviously we know in the college level, any sack taken by a quarterback counts as negative rushing yardage. But overall, just a great effort by Alabama. And so I think what you have to look at with Alabama, Nick Saban is continuing to play games in the media. He's continuing to say that this team's identity has not yet been formed. And so I just bring it up to say, I just bring it up to say, you know, one, this is a game where we are going to have to monitor the health of Hendon Hooker. But then on top of that, I also just think, you know, where is Alabama at mentally as they head into a bye? They will obviously play LSU after also, this is Alabama's uh, first home game in three weeks. They obviously played at A&M at Mississippi State. Uh, so it'll be worth monitoring here as Alabama, the money is coming in on Tennessee. I'd be worried about Tennessee not knowing what Hendon Hooker's status is. Let's transition out of the SEC. Sorry to those of you looking for a Texas A&M South Carolina preview. That ain't happening. For those of you looking for a Mississippi State Vandy preview, that ain't happening. So let's transition to some of the other games uh, outside of the SEC. And it's kind of a weird week in the Big Ten where a lot of those marquee programs, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, they all come back to play this weekend, but they don't play in necessarily marquee games. As I said, next week we get Michigan State, Michigan. We get Penn State, Ohio State. This week we get, oh, I don't know, uh, we get Ohio State at Indiana. We get on top of that, we get Penn State, Illinois. Who's fired up about that one? And then we get Michigan hosting Northwestern. So not a ton of marquee games in that space. But I'll tell you, uh, you know, the Ohio State-Indiana game is very interesting to me. Uh, we will get to USC-Notre Dame in a minute, as promised. But the Ohio State-Indiana game, Ohio State opens as a 19-point favorite. The over-under is 60 this is going to be kind of the game where we, I think, learn a little bit more about Ohio State. They were dominant in their final three games before the bye, 59-7 against Akron, 52-13 against Rutgers, 66-13 against Maryland. Uh, this Indiana team is not very good, especially offensively, 107th in total offense. Michael Penix is done for the year again as he is just not healthy enough to keep playing. They did play better uh, against Michigan State last week. They lose 20-15, to 15, and they did have over 300 yards of total offense, which is a positive sign. For Ohio State, obviously, we all know what's at stake here, right? Um, you know, you're coming out of a bye. You want to keep getting better. You have Penn State at home in two weeks. We know the offense is humming. Has the defense just run into inferior competition? Are they getting better? I don't know that we'll find out necessarily this week. But again, if you're Ohio State, you want to be taken seriously as a national championship contender. 
This is the kind of game you got to win 44 to 7 on the road. 19 point road favorite indicates to me that uh, the, the odds makers at DraftKings Sportsbook think it's going to be one sided. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Indiana plays really hard, but they are just not very good. Uh, let's go back to that USC Notre Dame game. And you talk about kind of a weird game from a, a, a betting perspective. Notre Dame is a seven point favorite at home, and the over under is 59. And it feels weird, right? Because USC has been terrible. Notre Dame is 5-1. and one. On the one hand, you kind of think, that number feels a little bit low. Why is it only a touchdown? But there's a few factors at play here. One, Notre Dame, that offense isn't very good. And really the story with Notre Dame all year has kind of been, you know, they continue to survive games that they frankly, I don't know if they shouldn't win, but that they easily could lose. You know, they, they need overtime to beat Florida State early in the year. Last minute, a win over Toledo. They play Purdue, and Purdue all of a sudden we now realize is a lot better than we gave them credit for. But still, this was a one-possession game late into the fourth quarter before Notre Dame pulls away. Then on top of that, they lose to Cincinnati. Then on top of that, they play at Virginia Tech a few weeks ago. They are trailing with under four minutes to go and rally to win. Big thing, this offense isn't very good. 87th nationally in total offense. They have juggled quarterbacks. Brian Kelly cannot find his guy. It's crazy. If you think back to pre-Ian Book, Notre Dame never had a quarterback every year. Malik Zaire, Everett Golson, every year it was they were juggling guys. They could never find the guy. They get stability with Ian Book. It looks like they're right back to it. Jack Cohn doesn't appear to be the answer. Tyler Buckner got uh, some reps as the backup two weeks ago against Virginia Tech. He had success. Drew Pine, by the way, played well against uh, uh, Wisconsin. So you've had three quarterbacks play. Two of them have played better than the starter, but Brian Kelly says for right now, Notre Dame will continue to roll with Jack Cohn for the time being. USC, on the other hand, you want to talk about weird. They are a weird, weird, weird team. Keep in mind this. Clay Helton gets fired after week two. They are two and two since then. Two dominant wins on the road. Two losses at home. This game is at Notre Dame, so maybe that's a good sign for SC. Now, the one thing I would say, the two teams that they have lost to at home, Oregon State's not terrible, uh, and Utah might just be the best team in the Pac-12. By the way, I hate to brag, Utah was my preseason Pac-12 champion. They are the only team that is undefeated in conference play in the Pac-12. That would be my Utah uh, whatever they are, that my Utah Utes. Yeah, sure, they started whatever they did, four and two. They started 0 and two, but they have ripped off three straight wins in conference play since then. But we're not talking about Utah. Let's get back to USC. Again, two road wins against Wazoo, against Colorado, two uh, home losses. So maybe being on the road is a good thing for them. The thing I would say about USC, it's worth noting. Listen, sometimes teams have reputations and they are not justified. In USC's case, I believe that it is. USC is known as a soft team, not physical, and that's what the stats tell us right now. Top 10 nationally in passing, 93rd nationally in rushing offense. But again, as I continue to jump all over the place in this game, keep in mind Notre Dame's pass defense has not been great this year as well. All right, let's wrap up a couple other ones. You know, one that really jumped out to me is very interesting. Wisconsin-Purdue back to the Big Ten. Um, you know, Purdue is coming off that signature win over Iowa. Wisconsin has been terrible all year. Wisconsin is a three-point road favorite at, at Purdue. Over-under is 40. I can't say that I really get this. Um, I get that Wisconsin has a reputation. Wisconsin isn't a very good football team. Right now, they're 3-3. Three and three. 
the three wins for Wisconsin. Here are the riveting three wins for Wisconsin because we know that they've lost the three marquee games that they've played to Michigan, Penn State, and Notre Dame. This is who they've beaten. Eastern Michigan, Illinois, and Army last week. And Army was 20-14 was the final score in that one, so it's not like they blew the, the lid off the place. Purdue, I'll give them credit. First of all, they're 4-2. They're ahead of schedule, better than we thought. This team could be 6-0. and They just beat Iowa. Great win, but keep this in mind, too. Um, Iowa, for, Outside of the Iowa game, they played Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Could have won that one. I just said it was a seven-point margin late in the game. And then on top of that, they lost by a touchdown to Minnesota, which is a very physical football team. So when I look at this game, what it's going to come down to, Purdue is a really good pass offense, number 10 in the country. David Bell had 11 catches against Iowa last week. Going up against that Wisconsin defense that can't stop anybody through the air, they're great against the run. So that's a game to watch. That's a game that's interesting to me. I would not be surprised to see money come in on Purdue. I'm very surprised to see them be a road, a home, a home underdog in that one. Let's get to another couple games. How about this? I'm not going to have time to do too much more prep work into this one because it's a Wednesday night game, but kind of an interesting one with Coastal Carolina at Appalachian State, open as a three-and-a-half-point spread. It is now up to four, and it's very interesting to me that Coastal Carolina is, quote-unquote, only a four-point favorite. Now, if you listen to this show, you know I don't love betting road favorites, but Coastal Carolina might be the exception to the rule. This Coastal Carolina offense is incredible. 48.8 points per game. Uh, 40 total touchdowns is second in the country behind only Alabama. And they've actually played one fewer game than Alabama has. And they're steamrolling pretty much everybody this year. Uh, you look at what they've done so far. They destroyed Kansas on a Friday night. Uh, they destroyed Arkansas State, our old buddy Butch Jones, a few weeks ago. And oh, by the way, they destroyed Louisiana Monroe a few weeks ago. Louisiana Monroe, of course, beat Hugh Freeze in Liberty a few weeks ago. So Coastal Carolina is cruising. The only thing that's really interesting to me, App State is pretty good, 4-2. and two. Their two losses were by two points to Miami. And at Louisiana, Mon or at Louisiana last week, that's Billy Napier's club, really good football team that's 5-1 and one overall. They turned the ball over a lot. Coastal does not force a lot of turnovers. So that is the one thing you need to keep in mind in this game is that Coastal, uh, you know, is really, really, really talented. But App State is good. And the one thing that App State does really poorly, Coastal Carolina cannot take advantage of. That is a Wednesday night game. So I wanted to talk about that because Coastal Carolina is a top 20 team and that game will be done by the time the next episode comes out. Uh, looking through the rest of the slate, you know, there's not a ton of meat on the bone. Northwestern is a 23-point underdog at Michigan. At Michigan, excuse me, that number feels a little bit high to me. I know Michigan is coming off the bye, but you know Michigan played uh, Nebraska right before they went on their 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 break there. And the one thing I would say with Michigan, this is not a team that is built to cover massive spreads. Northwestern really isn't very good. Northwestern is really struggling. But again, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh doesn't care about style points. Jim Harbaugh, he's got that NFL mentality. He's kind of that guy. He wants to keep it close to the vest, especially with the big games coming up. Remember Rutgers a few weeks ago, they were up whatever they were, 20 to 7 at halftime or so, 20 to 3 at halftime. I think they ended up winning 20 to 17, holding on for dear life. So keep an eye on that one. That number feels a little bit high to me as we wrap up today's show. All right, I think that's it for this episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday with much more detail, or Thursday morning, excuse me, with many more details on this week 
uh, whatever it is, week eight slate. Again, keep in mind, keep in mind, keep in mind, this is a week where we really have to monitor injuries. We really have to pay pretty close attention to what is going on because Hendon Hooker's banged up. Uh, Matt Corral is banged up. But stay tuned. Stick around. Uh, but I am out of here. Thank you guys, as always, for your support. I say it every week, but every week it is true. The numbers continue to go up. So thank you guys for your support. On top of that, if you know anybody that you think would like college football betting with Aaron Torres, let them know about the show. And, of course, thank you to our partners at DraftKings. Link is in the bio. Go ahead, click there, make your wagers, courtesy of our friends at DraftKings. That is all for today's show. I will be back on Thursday. Hope everybody has a great week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.